Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome into episode 134 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm not buying any stock in Zoom anytime soon. <laughs> I'm trying to record this thing when I was in Knoxville and I'm in Chattanooga now. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Uh, so we've been, this is actually technically my day off. I, uh, I had some PTO days to kill before the end of the year. So I uh, took, took off Tuesday and I took off again today. You know, the, so the Missouri game, I'd work for the Missouri game, and then I'll be back for New Year's Eve for the high point game. So this was supposed to be my day off, but because I'm a loving, giving individual that uh, loves my fans so dearly or loves our listeners so dearly, um, I wanted to record a podcast with my dear friend, Sean, but it has been a nightmare and a half trying to put this thing together. We have tried different uh wi-fis and different accounts and different headsets and all this so you are getting the raw 
file from me recording from my laptop. So if the audio sucks, well, sorry, because this is the best we can come up with right now. So, uh, Sean, very glad that we're finally here and putting something together, even if it is a, a hot mess and a half. I've never felt so uneasy <laughs> recording a <laughs> podcast. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on it to go out again. But uh, while it's working, let's talk about what Kentucky's been doing lately. And they continued uh, their recent surge, Jack. It's, uh, they're playing really good basketball. We, we went into that game last night against Missouri, kicking off SEC play, wondering if we were going to see the same kind of energy and all that continue. And, and they had their moments where they went through stretches where Mizzou would go on a 12-0 run and the Kentucky would go on a run. But for the most part, coming off a holiday break where they went home, where they, they weren't together, and then they got back on campus a couple of days before that game, I thought the it was a success. I thought it was mission accomplished. They got the win that they wanted to get. Uh, there were a lot of good things to take away from it. And uh, I think you're seeing the depth kind of take over the the different pieces. Uh, Jacob Toppin was the spark uh, against Western Kentucky. It was Keon Brooks against Missouri. So uh, a good win to start SEC play. There's no bad conference win. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the biggest. There was a lot of talk, you know, North Carolina isn't what they – isn't the blue blood that everybody makes them out to be. They're not good this year. Western Kentucky, they just come off their – uh, came off their big big win over Louisville, and uh, you know it's kind of a letdown game for them. It came together so quickly, so on and so forth. You know that there there were still some some naysayers about just how good this Kentucky team can be, even after those two blowouts. So this was yes, Missouri is not a good team. They have some really bad losses. They're not overly talented. They're physical. You know they they rebound well and those sorts of things, but they're not overly skilled. They're not that great of a, of a shooting team. You go down the list. It, it's it's a flawed team. And there was, you know, but there's still something to be said about the first SEC game. It's it's in the conference. It's you get the the physicality of your conference foes, those type of, of things. You still get that with this Missouri team. And that's something that we were kind of waiting to see. And and, and Sean, they aced every single test that you had for them. Uh, they got off to a hot start. Missouri responded with, you know, a little strong run of their own. Kentucky responded back to that one. Missouri clawed back for their own run to try to get back in the game. Kentucky fought back from that one and uh, ended up blowing them out 83 to 56, Sean. I really thought it, this was a – they weathered all the storms. They uh, It just felt like they checked all the boxes off in this one. They did, and at no point did you ever feel like Missouri was actually going to compete and beat Kentucky. I think that was a takeaway that I had from it as well. Is it had been a while since we watched Kentucky kind of – have easy victories. Uh, they didn't have any really last season. I know the the opener against Morehead State and stuff, and then they played pretty well against South Carolina to end the year, but last year was a struggle year. And then, so it'd been a while since we'd had games where like, man, it, it kind of feels good to see them coast to a win. But uh, Keon Brooks was the takeaway last night. I think that was the easiest storyline to write about, uh, him coming and starting SEC playoff on a positive note. And Davion Mintz going in the first half and providing a spark. It's been different guys for Kentucky every single game, but the guys that have to do it have been very good as well. Ty Ty Washington being very consistent right now. Xavier Wheeler was excellent last night. Uh, nine assists, 11 points, just shy of a double-double. And then Oscar Sheway did not have the best offensive game at all. Two of 10 from the field, but he was really good at the free throw line. But and there were there were probably like twelve rebounds last night for him that I thought that he could come down with and he just couldn't do it. And Missouri had some guys that were athletic, uh, tipping balls up in the air, and Oscar couldn't grab them. 
but he still comes up with 20 rebounds, Jack, again. <laughs> and and that's the thing. And, like, if you ask Oscar and you talk to him or you talk to anybody that watched the game, they would probably think, yeah, Oscar didn't play very well. But even his worst is, like, so much better than anyone else's average that the bar that he set for himself and what we expect from him, it's not going to be 28 rebounds every game. But he's going to be right there in that ballpark if he plays enough minutes. He's going to push 15 to 20 every single time he takes the floor. How about this? 15.8 points per game, 15.8 rebounds per game, 190 each way to this point in the season. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, we, we sat there. There was a moment in the game that, that you looked over at me and you were like, this is unreal. We've never seen anything like this from what Oscar's providing. We've never seen – history made in this 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 way i mean the the well, effort in the yeah it's one of those things where i look i told you i said you have offensive players in basketball whether it be college nba they go on heaters right they'll go on a 12-0 run of their own uh like going back to emmanuel quickly a couple of years ago when he would start hitting threes at rough arena and he'd go three in a row three possessions and you get the same feeling and energy in rough arena when oscar grabs five rebounds in two trips or three offensive rebounds on a possession that's how you know it's special is when Rupp roars when you're doing something, you know you're watching something special. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way this, this fan base has rallied behind him, uh, the way he's kind of uh, built up that kind of that superhero uh, kind of persona that he's kind of taken on and, and how he's, he's putting this team on his shoulders. He loves it. He loves the spotlight. He's embracing it. I mean, just what he's able to do, again, he had his worst night as a Wildcat. I mean, worst offensive performance we've seen him. He just wasn't able to get anything to fall. He didn't have touch. Uh, really what didn't look overly comfortable with the ball in his hands down low. I mean, really, I mean, four turnovers, too. I mean, he really didn't have a great all-around offensive game. But, goodness gracious, 13 points, 20 rebounds, two blocks, and one steal. It's like, man – if that's the worst that we're going to see Oscar Sheboy play all season long, this team has a lot to be excited about going down the home stretch. But my biz, my biggest excitement coming off that game, you you said at first, it was the first name you you rattled off, is Keon Brooks. It's what we've been waiting for with – every time we come on the show, we say the same thing over and over again about Keon Brooks. It's like he's as skilled and athletic and long – and he's a mismatch nightmare if all we want from him is to attack the rim and create mismatches and finish strong at the basket, draw fouls, uh, you know, be be engaged on the defensive end of the floor, those type of things. that you know, it's, it's all been about effort and engagement and heart and those sorts of things. But instead, we've been seeing him, you know, kind of float around the perimeter, take jump shots. Uh, you know, really try to fall into his rhythm with mid-range shots and those sorts of things. And it's like, man, you're you're so much bigger than what you're showing. And everybody, I think, uh, around the program and fans in, in particular have been kind of w- expecting this, like, kind of P.J. Washington-level jump from him uh, where, you know, he kind of showed some of those little, little uh, you know, hints of potential over the last two seasons, but really waiting for him to put it all together. And this season, it just felt like it was a repeat of last season, really no legitimate growth from his sophomore year. What we saw against Missouri was exactly the type of jump that we expected from him. He was attacking. Yeah. He was engaged on defense. He was jumping the passing lanes. He was blocking shots. He was attacking the glass, which is something Cal has been outspoken about 
week after week waiting for that to happen with with him as well he did everything that we want and he's i mean he still took some jump shots and it's fine i'm not saying he's limited to in a a slasher type role he can take jump shots but it doesn't need to be his primary role on this team he is so much more of a player than what he has been showing where he's basically just standing at the free throw line and waiting for open jump shots and knocking down one out of three of them. Like that's, that is not his game. It's he's way more of a player than what he's shown. And I I thought what we saw last night against Missouri is exactly the type of player that he can be going down the stretch. And if he can continue to have that type of uh, a performance in play with that level of confidence, I I think it, it, I mean, it absolutely raises the ceiling of this of this team. And, and it, it, that's, I think, if we've been talking about that four spot and w- if somebody can emerge from that four spot, if he can be that guy and play the way he did last night, uh, I'm feeling infinitely more confident about this team's chances to make a run in March than I did before. Yeah, and, and I don't even know if we should kind of just throw it on one guy. Like uh, after Western, I, I tweeted, you know, that Jacob Toppin needs to play more minutes. Well, not last night. You know, Keon Brooks need to play the bulk of the minutes at that spot. And and going into the season, I can't remember if it might have been Andy Katz that labeled him a glue guy for Kentucky. I think it was him or it was someone that was on a national media stage uh, that labeled Keon the glue. Might have been Rothstein. Rothstein. But, uh, okay, it was. Uh, I knew it was one of them. So, he's a glue guy. I think he very well could be that. I think Toppin could be that, too. But I'm starting to kind of group them into the same category and just say Kentucky's four spot could be the glue. Yeah. And depending on who it is that night, and it like we're going to have another night where it's Jacob Toppin out playing Keon Brooks, and there's going to be a night where I think they're both playing well. Uh, but it, I think you're seeing the minutes change from game to game, whether Davion Mintz plays a lot or he plays a little, but you saw his value last night. They needed a spark. He went in the first half. He, he made a play going to the basket. He had a transition three. Uh, he got after it defensively. I think that this team has a lot of pieces that are just going to kind of kind of show up on certain nights. And I think that's what's going to end up making them hard to beat as they go throughout the season. But even though they have those blue guys, I still think it all falls on Savir. It falls on Ty Ty. It falls on Oscar and maybe even Kellen Grady that I think that together, this entire roster, it needs to be good. And collectively you need four, three really good guys and you probably need a couple of glue guys to chip in. And so far they've been getting that. Uh, the last few weeks, but uh, certainly pleased with what Keon did. It's uh, it's good to see him. You'd like to see him bounce, uh, to come back and do it again against High Point and then into LSU next Tuesday night. And, and you know, people talking about the P.J. Washington jump, I think that that's easy to point to. Uh, but I, sometimes I think it's kind of unfair because I think that they're two entirely different players. P.J. was significantly better as a freshman mm-hmm. than Keon was, but – I liked what we saw from him last night. And I liked that he was grabbing rebounds. He was going and contesting Oscar for rebounds. And that, that's what you want to see from him is kind of just uh, – he's not going to score 16, 17 every night, but you he should be a six to seven, eight rebound guy every single game. Yeah. And one thing I, I did love uh, about his postgame press conference, he brought up uh, – you know, somebody said, is it is it just a confidence thing? Is this something that – uh, you can stack one solid performance on top of the other. And, and is that kind of going to be a, is it just a mentality thing? Is it an effort thing? Uh, because Cal said something to the effect of it, it all it boils down to is if he's running hard uh, and he's, you know, sprinting up and down the floor, he's a night and day difference of a player than when he's not. And, and that's when he's, he's at his best. 
And somebody asked him, is that all it is, is really just an effort and kind of a mentality thing? And he said, well, I got to be totally honest. Um, my confidence wanes from time to time. He said, I, I really do struggle with, with confidence and, and kind of uh, he sets such high expectations for himself. And he kind of wanted the same jump that everybody kind of thought he could have. And wow. I, I think it's pretty clear on his end that, that he knows he's been falling short of that, those lofty expectations and those big, big goals that he's, he put on himself. Uh, and he said that he, he got a lot of those issues fixed over the holidays. He, he went home for Christmas. He talked to his dad talk to his little brothers and, and kind of, uh, kind of hit reset mentally. And I thought it was pretty clear his first game back that, uh, he looked like a whole new player, both mentally and physically. I, I think it's very hard to be a junior at Kentucky. If you started your career at Kentucky, I think it's hard because not many people have done it. If they're a former four or five star player, they're usually in the NBA by now. Uh, we know Keon, you know, battled the injury and stuff last year. That certainly hurt his development as a sophomore, the the COVID year, the struggles with the team. You almost just got to throw that season out for him and just hope that he builds on what he's doing right now and what he did against Missouri. But but I think that it's very hard to be a junior at Kentucky or even a senior at Kentucky if you came in as a freshman just because you've watched so many other guys that arrive on campus and leave and be in the NBA and you're, you're seeing Olivier Saar now doing and making it to the league, you're seeing BJ Boston. I think that can weigh on you mentally and kind of shake your confidence because you're like, man, I went through the same grind. I'm doing these same things. Why isn't that me getting an opportunity? Not that you're selfish. I just think it's hard to get that out of your mind and just play basketball and let the rest fall into place. But that was a very big step in the right direction for him. And I think it's going to be easier on this team this season to build confidence and sustain confidence because, one, this team likes playing together. They got a lot of feel-good stories on it right now. They all like one another. The fans are getting behind this team. And I think that makes it easier on these kids to kind of sustain success and confidence because I think it's easier to help them build it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, let's let's keep kind of rolling down this list of of some of the biggest standouts. You you brought him up in, in passing, but Xavier Wheeler, uh, you know, eleven points, nine nine assists, really impressive assist numbers. But outside of his playmaking abilities, really didn't have that. Make you know, just looking at his box score, really not that impressive of a game. But man, if you watched it and saw how easy it was for him to beat guys off the dribble and and uh, just his first step and that quickness, the lateral quickness, how he was able to push the ball up and, and move, move the ball ahead and transition and, and all those little things that he did, how engaged he was on defense. And, and uh, I mean, he was just a pest on both ends of the floor. And, and I, I keep going back to that, those first conversations we had about the things kind of ex expectations we had for him and, and what, how much we doubted him as a player coming in here and how much I was wrong personally about him, but uh, you know, he showed some of his flaws. He still can't shoot. And I, and I, I don't want him or UK or anybody to kind of hype up how, how much he's improved as a shooter. And hey, I promise you, he looked great in practice. I'm telling you, the guy can shoot. I don't want to hear those narratives because we don't need to. That's not his game and it's never going to be his game. But the way he's able to do what he's doing right now with just just his playmaking, the way he's able to get paint touches, the way he's able to just distribute for his teammates and, and, make the game easier for everybody else on the floor. I mean, it's just unbelievable how much he uh, got Kellen Grady open and got and found Ty Ty Washington and found all these other guys on the perimeter and 
and just the, the, the floor spacing was just unbelievable last night. And I, I really thought that he was the undervalued MVP of that game. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at numbers the last three games. He's got seven turnovers and I think the assists are I'm trying to look here, 16, 25 assists, seven turnovers and this three game winning streak for Kentucky since the Notre Dame loss. I mean, that is, that's exactly what you want from your point guard. And I think he's doing everything that this team needs him to do right now. Uh, he's so good at getting the ball by the defender's hip and getting back to that left hand and finishing and just so explosive downhill on the open floor. Uh, made that play right there before the end of the first half, and then he, he got hurt, but he, he bounced back, had a, had a good second half as well. He, he's valuing possessions now for the first time in his college basketball career, and I think that that is separating him. Uh, you're seeing how Georgia's struggling right now without him. And I think Kentucky would be struggling without him as well. I think he's that good. And honestly, I think he's just a difference maker for this team. He pushes the pace and allows all these other pieces to kind of flow and do what they do so well. And, Sean, one turnover for Savir, one turnover for Ty Ty, zero turnovers for Kellen Grady, one turnover for Davion Mintz. Three turnovers combined for Kentucky's entire backcourt. I mean – It's incredible. Cal talks, well, you want to to have a solid number of – you know, he said he'd like the turnover number to be somewhere in that 12 to 15 range just because it shows that you're being aggressive and you're you're pushing the ball ahead. Mistakes are going to happen with that. But UK was doing that. Savir was doing that. He was playing aggressive. He was being aggressive as a playmaker. He just wasn't making mistakes. I mean, the mistakes that he usually makes – he just wasn't making them last night. I mean, it was it was unreal, just the entire backcourt, how – I mean, really the only reason why Kentucky had 11 turnovers as a team was because of Oscar Sheboy having four. Outside of that, nobody else had more than two. And that it's funny, Jacob Toppin and Oscar Sheboy both led the team in turnovers with four, four for Sheboy and two for Toppin. So take how, those – How many of those were offensive fouls? Yeah. You remember? Because, uh, I mean, those – because that, that kind of – that gets looped into those turnovers as well, you know, over the backs, uh, offensive fouls, moving screens, all that. I know Oscar had one moving screen, didn't he? I yes. believe. Yes. So uh, – yeah, that yeah. But but what, the number that you brought up from the backcourt, you're going to win a lot of college basketball games if your backcourt values possessions that way. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing it. Savir is doing exactly what I expected him to do once he got with these pieces. I know you had some of the games early in the season where he was still a little bit out of control. He'd take uh, – he'd force the action, take a shot he shouldn't take. But he's getting better, and I think you're seeing the best version of himself at Kentucky. And, and it's starting to show because he's playing with guys that are emerging and, and being the best version of themselves as well. And that's what you hoped for when Kentucky decided to take him back in the spring is – you know, were some of the turnover issues at Georgia, some of the forced shot opportunities, was it because he had to do those things? And now you're looking at Georgia's roster and the way they're struggling, and you're seeing why he had to do a lot of that stuff at Georgia. He doesn't have to do that at Kentucky. And you got a lot of people talking about him, you know, being the best point guard in the league right now, the way he's distributing the basketball, the way he's valuing possessions, and he's still getting in the scoring column and doing some good things there as well. Uh, he keeps playing like that. And uh, you're, you're starting to see why he was the, the one first-team All-SEC selection uh, going into the year for Kentucky. And I'm starting to feel really good about my random tweet in July uh, when I said that Xavier Wheeler would lead the SEC and assist again. Because there were a lot of people who was like, no, nah, Ty Ty's going to take all those minutes at that point. No, nah, that, 
they're really good together, and they're really good when Savir has the ball in his hands and he's setting the table for the rest of these guys. The one thing I want to see, though, Kellen Grady needs more shots. That's next next topic that I was going to run through. Kellen Grady, two of five shooting, two of five from three, two of two from the free throw line, eight points, only one rebound, no assists, uh, one steal, no blocks, no turnovers. I mean, really clean game, but really – you, you expect more. I mean, 33 minutes. That was second on the team last night, and he's only giving you eight points, five shot attempts. I mean, uh, I think a couple of people put up that stat online that he's second in the country in terms of offensive rating, but almost dead last in terms of usage. I mean, it just makes no yeah. sense how how difficult it is for for him to to get open shots made for him, and it's like. A lot of it has to do with him, too. I, I counted at least three shots last night where I was like, that should have been a Kellen shot. That should have been a Kellen shot. Yeah. It probably probably more than that, honestly. But there is no reason that Kellen should, shouldn't be taking it anywhere from eight to 14 shots a game. If he shoots 10 threes a game, he's hitting four, of, four to five of them, I think. Yeah. Like, he's going to shoot that, that, at that clip. And then if he, if he gives you that – Absolutely, you take it every single game if he can give you four or five made threes, and I think he's capable of that. He's he's the type of guy to me and the type of player that when we look up in March, and may, I maybe I'm, I'm getting way too far ahead. They, they played one SEC game, but he could be the type of guy that when it comes to SEC championship Sunday, we're sitting there holding, he's holding up an MVP trophy. Like I could see him go on a heater when this team gets into that postseason play and they start maybe running some more action through him to get him some looks. Uh, because we know as this season goes along, and I, I want to see them in a close game soon. Yeah, I want to see what's changed from Notre Dame till now. And I think you're going to see that. They could go to LSU and it'd be a tight game. I don't Obviously, we don't expect high point to, to really push them and challenge them to the point that they could beat them. But the next couple of weeks, they're going to play at Tennessee. They're going to play in LSU. They're going to get in league play, and they're going to have a game where it's going to have to come down to who's their guy. I want to know who they play through. Are they going to post Oscar on the block? I don't know. Is it going to be Ty Ty Washington? I think it could be, but I also think you could get some of that floppy action for Kellen Grady along the baseline and kind of play through him because he stretches teams out so much that even if he isn't the guy that gets the shot, you cost some defensive uh, mix up there. You could get an easy basket out of it, and that's what I'm wanting to see is who do they go to and who do they play through in these close games coming up. Yeah. Um, let's let's kind of round out the individual standouts with Lance Ware and just what he was able to provide for this team. Five points. He went five to six from the free throw line, three rebounds, uh, only one foul. I, I mean, I thought he did a really bang-up job behind Oscar Shibway last night, Damian Collins wasn't able to give you much. Uh, he had that one impressive put-back back, uh, put back dunk. Uh, he did grab four four rebounds. But, uh, again, we, we've we been kind of talking about how you just want one of those guys to give you something every game, Lance Ware and Damian Collins. It doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, shoot, we're hyping up a, a 5.3 rebound performance for, for Lance Ware. It's really not asking a whole, whole lot out of him. But – he came in, he did exactly what you needed as that complimentary piece to Oscar Shibway. If Oscar's going to be the anchor down low and, and do continue to do what he's doing and not, I mean, he had four fouls, but he still played 30 minutes to not deal with foul trouble 
if he's able to stay in the game, all you need is just a little bit of something out of either Damian Collins or Lance Ware. And I thought Lance Ware was that guy last night. He was. And those bench guys, they don't have to go in and outplay anyone. They don't have to go in and outplay the opponent. You just got to hold it and break even. Just don't go in and be exposed. I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to all these guys that come off the bench is just, just go in and hold your own and be able to buy some minutes and let Cal steal some minutes for, for Oscar or for one of these guards. Uh, I, I like the balance that they've got at the four. And Oscar, obviously, he's he's done better with foul trouble than what we thought he would. I, I thought to this point, honestly, we'd have a lot of games where we'd look up and Oscar would be on the bench for the entire first half. Uh, but he's not. He, he's done very well with that. I know he's had some foul trouble issues and stuff in the first half of games. I know North Carolina had to sit for a long period of time. But you would just love to see it be a group effort with Lance Ware and Damian Collins, whichever one they need on that night, depending on the opponent, if they could just buy you 8, 10, 11 minutes a game just to give Oscar a breather and kind of just uh, weather the storm because they're going to hit some road venues here in the SEC where things are going to get tough and it's going to be hard for them. But if you can get some consistency there and just someone to step up and, and kind of weather that storm, uh, this team will be very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, move over a little bit to tomorrow's game against High Point, the return of Tubby Smith. Uh, Sean, I know that that was kind of prime era for you watching Kentucky basketball and kind of the uh, the uh, what he was able to do at Kentucky. So I know this game means a lot to you. So I kind of wanted to end this show by just kind of talking over some Tubby memories. What were some of your favorite uh, Tubby moments at, at, at Rupp or just kind of big games while he was here and some of those type of things? Ah, oh, man, Tubby, that was a special time for me as a kid. I'm, I'm really disappointed that the Citrus Bowl is kind of fall, falling in line with this game because I'm I'm not going to be there for the high point game. Hunter Mitchell's covering it for me. I'm uh, going to do an excellent job there with, with photos and capturing all those special moments that you're going to see tomorrow at Rupp Arena, and I'll be down here in Orlando. But that era for me, that was the first team. So 1996 was the first year that I would say, hey, I was a Kentucky basketball follower and fan. But 98 was when I really felt it because I was in third grade and I'm sitting there through that entire tournament run, hanging on to every single made shot, foul, through that run, through the, the comeback cats. Uh, I'd, I'd watch my dad get so upset when something would go wrong or get so excited. And I'm, I'm sitting here and you're, you're a kid. You're wanting to please your parent, right? You're wanting like, oh, my goodness, it means so much to him. It has to mean the same to me. So that was the first run that I remember going through where I was like, wow, this, this is truly special. And then my, my favorite Tubby story would be, I think it was the, the Big Blue Madness. It was one of they called it Midnight Madness. And it was uh, maybe 2001, the 2001, 2002. So it was Tayshaun Prince senior year, Keith Bogans junior year. I went to, to Midnight Madness there, and then I'm walking out of Memorial, and Tubby Smith is walking out. And it was the first time I ever got to meet someone from UK. And it was Tubby. And I thought that that was super cool. He signed a basketball for me in the parking lot, uh, took a photo uh, with me and and everything. And I have no idea where that picture's at. My mom has it somewhere. It was one of the disposable cameras uh, that she had back in that day. But And then he he would visit Kay Wood Letford a lot when when Kay Wood uh, was going through his, his sickness and stuff right before he passed. And Kay Wood lived in Harlem. And my uncle worked for Terminex, and this is one of the coolest stories. And I don't think I've ever told this on a platform, but 
I got to meet Kaywood when I was a kid because my uncle took took me with him uh, to the house. And we walked in, and sitting on the bed was Tubby Smith, Keith Bogans, and Tayshawn Prince. Wow. And that was one of the coolest moments of my entire life was kind of getting to be there, be present, and just uh, just witness that. So a, a very special time for me. Uh, the 2003, or I think it was 2003 team that went on 26 straight wins and then lost to Marquette in the NCAA tournament was a really incredible basketball team, a team that I think was one of my favorite Kentucky basketball teams to follow. And I had all the tools to win a national championship. He, he had some really good teams and fun teams to follow. And it's it's so well-deserved to see his name going into Rupp's Raptors. It, it's very deserving. And I just wish I could be there for it. But I hope tomorrow the fans show him the appreciation and the love that he deserves because he did a lot of good for that program. A lot of good. Won a lot of games and had a lot of good basketball teams and a lot of good players. Yeah. The one thing you, you constantly hear about Tubby and the interactions you have with him and, and hear of other interactions with him is that the dude was just the most wholesome, all-around good human being that would never hurt a fly. He, he always uh, supported everybody around him and, and just just from start to finish that he was just the epitome of, of, of a good person. And, and uh, I think that's definitely something that um, is, is pretty cool about him. It is. And, and two, uh, you get the comments a lot of times. You'll see it on Facebook comments. I'm sure me and you both will post stories the next two days. And there will be someone in the comments that says ah, he only won with Latinos players. Yeah. Nah, don't don't give me that. Don't give me that. They lost the national championship game the year before. And they will tell you when Patino left, guys were in tears and stuff in that locker room when he announced he was leaving. That's not easy to follow. Yeah. Like the guy that replaces John Calipari at Kentucky is going to have one of the hardest jobs in college basketball. The guy that followed Rick Patino, I think it was just as hard. You're following a guy who went to two Final Fours back to back, won a national championship. And yeah, you have a great roster. But he got those guys together. I had Scott Padgett on a podcast episode the first year I covered UKB, so 2017. And he told me, he said, there's no way we win that, we win that championship if, if it weren't for Tubby Smith. Wow. And those guys respected him. And I think that everyone knows that he managed those last three games of that tournament. Probably one of the best stretches of coaching I'd seen in college basketball. The, the Duke game when Mike Krzyzewski used his last timeout, I can't remember the exact amount of time on the score. On the, on the clock, but it was probably six to seven minutes left in the game. And Kentucky goes on that wave in the final nine. And Tubby refused to take a timeout because Coach K didn't have one. He didn't want to kill that momentum. And he got to that media timeout. K had no timeouts left in that final four minutes. Just very good coaching down the stretch. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons they won the championship. That's that's really freaking cool. Let's, uh, let's end it with this. Give me your three favorite – Tubby Smith players uh, before we wrap this thing up? Oh, Cliff Hawkins, number one for me. I loved Cliff Hawkins. I, I played point guard in middle school, high school, and uh, I think that's why he'd be my favorite. I loved Gerald Fitch as well, and uh, Chuck Hayes. Chuck Hayes is one of my favorite Wildcats of all time. Well, my – I'd go number three – Joe Crawford, I just I had a sweet spot for him. I I loved him. Uh, number two, Tayshawn Prince. I actually, I the reason when I first fell in love with the NBA was that his Pistons team, the 0-4 team with 
with Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, that squad, I adored that team. That was the first team I ever fell in love with in the NBA. And it was the, the big significant reason for that was because of Tayshaun. And number one, Rajon Rondo, he's actually the reason why. So I, I liked that 04 Pistons team in particular. I mean, I was just very brand new to basketball and it's just very, very fresh. That's when I first started playing. And, uh, you know, I'd be in the backyard pretending like I was Ben Wallace, lower on the rim to seven foot and dunking it when I was six years old or whatever it was. Uh, so I love doing that. But Rajon Rondo was my biggest, biggest, big, I, I adored Rajon Rondo. And he's the reason why I became a Boston Celtics fan and why I'm still a Boston Celtics fan. When he, in 2006, I believe it was, when he uh, got sent there on draft night and became a Celtics fan, I, I uh, started following him closely. And he was like, well, I, I was like, I need a, a team to really follow closely. And I was like, well, screw it. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go in, all in on, on Rajon and the Celtics. They were horrible to start with, and then the big three trade happened. They got Ray Allen, and they got Kevin Garnett, and I just so happened to luck into a very uh, cool little small dynasty with with the Celtics there and with Kevin Garnett and Rajon Rondo and Paul Pierce and, and all those guys. So it was an awesome, awesome era there. But, yeah, those are, those are definitely my top three, Rajon Rondo, Tayshon, and, and Joe Crawford. So, yeah, lots of cool stuff. Very excited to see tomorrow unfold i am not down in the bowl with you i am going to be here for the high point game so we're definitely going to record another show and uh, uh talk about what happened in the game and the ins and outs of all that stuff too we just wanted to make sure that we got this show recorded for you guys before that happened sean um let's end it with one quick note from our friends at prize picks the nba season is well underway and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former wildcats play then by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sport, sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across all sports as well. With the NFL playoffs approaching, add in some of those players to your picks with their over-under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget, that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and the code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your for favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, this is an awesome time. Glad we uh, stressfully put this show together at the last minute because uh, uh, there was a moment that I didn't think we were going to get off, off the, uh, uh, the, the up in the air on this one. I'm very shocked well, to this point. For, for reference, I said we started in Knoxville. And I am somewhere through Dalton, Georgia. Like, <laughs> so I, I went a I went a pretty good distance. If you want to stay on and record another one, sure, it was past the time. <laughs> this drop by. No, I, I love you to death, but I'm I'm sick and tired of uh, of hearing your voice for the day. So we're gonna call I'm, it. We're gonna call it a well, day. I'm, Perfect timing. I'm one mile from Bucky's. If they ever want to be a sponsor for Sources, say I'm gonna stop at Bucky's and get some beef jerky. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, Sean, I appreciate you as always. Safe travels 
all the way down to Orlando. And uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow for another show. Before that, uh, tell fans where they can find your work. You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Jack, I got to catch you in Twitter followers. You passed me up by quite a big margin now. Oh, I know. You got to make sure you follow him and, and stay tuned with all of his awesome stuff that he puts on GoBigBlueCountry.com. He uh, is, is working his tail off after games and getting posts up for you guys. So, uh, keep keep following him. Keep following along and uh, uh, keep keep up the good work, Sean. We are very glad to have you on the show, and it's it's awesome stuff as always. You can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back again here in the next day or two to break down the high point game. Uh, this is the Source Say podcast. We will see you next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.